0: I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day when I can see the one that saved me by his grace face to face. Today we see in the mirror dimly the word of God says, but on that day we'll be able to look him right in the eyes and see him face to face and to hold the, the king of kings by the hand. Amen. But I don't know if you realize it or not, church. We really don't have to wait until that day to hold him by the hand. Amen we can hold him by the hand every day all we got to do is call out all we got to do is put us put ourselves into that presence and he's there to meet with us amen but i'm still looking forward to that day amen as always we're going to go to the lord in prayer it's good to see you in god's house But before we uh, get into the word of God, we're going to go ahead and pray. I, I, I especially want to say it's good to have it's good to have all of you in the house tonight. But I'm especially grateful to have my father in the house with us tonight. Now, if you just stand, I want everybody to see who you are. He's down from Tennessee. I want to recognize him. He can be in the house and also... I'm grateful to see my brother Stephen in God's house this evening. I don't know if any of you are aware, Stephen, stand up. But not only a couple weeks ago, he was at death's doorstep. But he's in the house of God this evening because God has intervened in his life. Praise God to have you in his house tonight. I know that you're, great. you're grateful to be here probably more than we are. Amen. But uh, before we go into the Word, we're going to pray one more time. And just ask God to bless us. Father, we are just so grateful to be in your house this evening. And God, we're just so thankful that we haven't gathered in vain this evening. Because your word tells us that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst of them. And God, I'm thankful for every individual that's made their way into your house tonight, Father God, to hear your words and not mine. So I pray, Father God, that you would just anoint me so they hear you and not me. That you would anoint me so they see you and not me. Father God, you would anoint me so that they receive from you and not me. And that you would be glorified this evening. We come against every hindering spirit, every distracting spirit, everything that would try to snatch away the word of God. Those seeds of salvation that have the power to change our lives. And I pray that you would just release your anointing upon each and every one of us. So that you would be high and lifted up, Father God. And that your glory would fill our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. As you know... And if you don't know, you can see the slide we are on or are continuing in our series on the seven ups of Christianity. So far, we have looked at you can put up the next slide so far. We've looked at waking up, shaping up, praying up. And last week, we looked at cleaning up. And these are all things that we have learned that we must do in order to advance the cause of the kingdom of God in this world and in our lives We've been called the last one that we looked at, and you know I like to recap at least the, the previous week so we can lead right into where we're going, but we've we've learned that we've been called the cleanup because the table of the Lord Church is reserved for the righteous. We learned last week that the table of the Lord, the banqueting table of the Lord, is reserved for a bride that is without spot, without wrinkle, and the word of God says without any other blemish. And what I want you to remember, and I didn't get to touch on it a lot last week, was that Paul said, I sanctify myself daily. And what Paul was meaning to the point that he was trying to get across to us is that when we give our lives to Christ, even after we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, even after our sins have been washed away, we must sanctify and keep ourselves clean and pure every single day. Paul said, every single day, I've got to set myself apart for God's holy use. Every day, I've got to set myself apart for the the purpose God has for my life. You see, we all might have a, a plan for our life and a purpose for our life, but God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. Paul understood that, and he said, because of that, I sanctify myself. I set myself apart each and every day for God's holy use. Every day, Paul kept himself clean, and so should we. Every day, Paul separated himself from the contaminating influences of the world that he was in. And every day, we have to do the same. Listen, the, it, the same devil that's trying to contaminate us today was trying to contaminate the people back then. It's the same devil. It's the same world. It's the same junk that, that surrounds us, that just tried to surround him. And he was encouraging us to each and every day in the same way. Keep ourselves clean, keep ourselves pure, keep ourselves in right standing with God, because we have to understand that the devil's sole goal is to dirty us, his sole goal, his solitary goal. Well, his number one goal is to destroy you. But his sole goal is to dirty us. He wants to dirty up our speech. He wants to dirty up our minds. He wants to dirty up our marriages. He wants to dirty up our lives, dirty up our faith, dirty up everything about us. That's his sole goal is to to cover us with the impurities of the world so that we no longer look like Christ, so that we are no longer a reflection of the kingdom of God. So and and I don't want to get ahead of myself because we're going to look at that because cleaning up and dressing up, they kind of run in the same exact line, but we can't do one without the other. So we're going to look at both of those. He wants to just dirty us up, but we have been called to clean up. And I pray that we do that. I also want to remind you before I move on and touch on the next one, that we cannot clean ourselves, church. We cannot purify ourselves. We cannot sanctify ourselves. We cannot make ourselves righteous. We cannot make ourselves holy. It is only done through the power of of Jesus Christ. It is only done through the power of the cross, the power of uh, crucifixion, the power of the resurrection, through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, through His holy word, and through His holy spirit. And if we don't have those things in our life, listen, we'll never be holy. If we don't have those things, we'll never be gl- godly. We will never be able to stand before the Lord blameless with great joy because we've not been washed properly. So what we've got to learn is to let God clean us. Amen. <laughs> To let the Word of God be that purifying living water that cleanses us. What we have to understand is the Word of God tells us that we are sanctified through the washing of the word. I know I rushed through it last week, but that's what I'm going to start with this week. We are sanctified. We are set apart. The Bible says through the washing of the word, the living word, which is Jesus Christ and the written word, which is the word of God. You know that Jesus was the word made flesh. So we are sanctified through Jesus Christ and we are sanctified through the written word. This must be flowing through our lives. It must be flowing through every portion of our lives in order for us to stay clean, in order for us to stay set apart, in order for us to be sanctified, we need the word, amen? So you must make that a part of your life. Remember David said, how shall a young man keep his ways pure? How shall he maintain purity? By keeping it a guard and guarding it according to the word of God. So we must have this flowing through our lives. Then, church, after we clean up, after we wash up, we are to then dress up. We, after we have been washed in the blood, after we have been, as Paul says, baptized into Christ's death, then we are to put on the clothes of Jesus Christ. We are to put on the new man. We are to put on the likeness of Jesus. We are to put on the likeness of heaven. We are to put on the mind of Christ. And, and we are going to learn all the things that we are supposed to put on. And the, the things that we are supposed to put off. But after we have been washed in the blood. Church we are to, we're to not live or look like we once did. We are to now live and look like Jesus lives. And how Jesus looks. Amen. I am not just talking about physically. We have got to Remember that we were created in whose image? God's. So after we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, now we are to put on the image of God. And we are to maintain it in every area of our life. We are not to look like the world. We are to look like the kingdom of God. And this is why we need to dress up so that we are a proper reflection of the kingdom to which we belong. Amen. We don't belong to this world. We belong to the kingdom of God. And we are to be a right representation of that. And if we've got on the worldly garment, if we've got on the garments of this world, we do not have any likeness to the kingdom of God. And so that's why the Holy Spirit is calling us to dress up, church. You see, what we have to understand is there must come a point in every one of our lives where the old man is put to death. There must come a point in every confessed Christian's lives, or otherwise we're not a Christian. There must come this point in our life. If you're going to confess Jesus Christ, if you're going to receive and believe, there must come a point in your life where the old man is put off, where the old man is put to death, where the old man is escorted to the cross of Jesus. Jesus Christ crucified and left there and put into the grave never to rise again. If we call ourselves Christian, this must happen in our lives. We must put off the old man. We must put off the old nature. We must put off all of those things that look like the world and put on Jesus Christ. We've got to come to that place, church. Where we take off our dirty clothes, where we take off our soiled garments, where we lay them down at the foot of the cross and, and arise, the Bible says, in newness of life. Listen, the new man will never rise up until the old man is taken to the cross. The new man will never walk in newness of life until the old man is put in the grave and told to stay there. The problem with so many Christians, you never see the new man because we've never left the old man in the grave. We never see the new man because the old man's still walking around. We never hear the, the new man because the old man's never been crucified on the cross. So we carry around old speech and old thoughts and everything old. And the world is looking for the new man and so is God. And this is what we're going to look at. It's why we must dress up. I had a friend in Pennsylvania who, who worked with me. I used to be in a landscape business. He used to do a lot of work outside. He used to work for me. He also had an uncle that had a nursery. So he was always working outside and he'd work hard all day long. He'd get dirtied up. If any of you work outside, you know how you get dirtied up, especially in the summer, you begin to smell, you begin to stink, your clothes get dirty. Well, he would work all day. He'd get, he'd get all smellied up. He'd go home. Or if he came over to my house, he'd get a shower. He'd get cleaned up. He'd slap on his cologne. But many times straight Strangely enough, he'd put his dirty clothes right back on. He forgot to bring a change of clothes is what I'm getting at. And he put his dirty clothes right back over the clean man. So his bath did no good. His shower did no good. He, he put that which was dirty back on that which was just made clean. And the reality is, it's exactly what the church does. The reality is, it's exactly what the sons and daughters of the Most High God do. They come into the presence of God and ask for a cleansing. They come into the house of God and ask to be made clean. They ask for forgiveness. They ask for the blood of Christ to wash over them, to make them new. Forgive me of my sins, O God, and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And the grace of God comes into our life and it washes it away. But what do we do? We walk out of the church and we put our dirty clothes right back on that which was just made clean. We put on the filthy, smelly clothes that should have been left in the grave, that should have been thrown in the hamper, that should have been burned in the fire, and we put them right back on and we dirty up that which was just made clean by the grace of God. That is how we trample on the grace of God. By putting dirty clothes right back on that which the grace of God just touched and washed away. Yet we do it all the time in the house of God. We're just like my friend, and I don't say it to make fun of him, but we, we need to come expect, we need to come with a change of clothes when we come into the house. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you and I come into the house of God, we need to be ready to change our clothes. You might come in dirty, but you got to be ready to come with a change of clothes and put on something clean so that when you walk out, your shower had an impact on you. We ask God to rain down on us. We ask God to do His thing. And He's waiting for us to do ours. Uh, we, we've got to stop, church, putting dirty clothes on that which was just made clean. One of the biggest reasons, church, why so many believers never walk in newness of life, it's like I said, is because we never leave the old man behind. We drag him into church, we pull him into the presence of God. He kicks and screams and fidgets and widgets and wiggles and does all this during the service. The Holy Spirit is trying to crucify the flesh. The Holy Spirit is trying to put the old man in the grave. And for some reason, after the cleansing, we say, okay, come on, buddy, let's go. We go right back to the grave where God has just put your sin, where God has just put the old man, and we grab him by the hand, and we walk right back out into the world, and we let that old man drape himself right back on that, which the grace of God just made clean. We are making cheap the grace of God when we do that. And the way that we honor the grace of God, the way that we honor the sacrifice, the way that we make sacred the grace and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, listen, is by leaving the old man in the grave. The reason so many people struggle is that one simple truth. The the main reason so many Christians struggle overcoming, struggle succeeding, struggle finding victory in their life is because they have yet to leave the old man behind. They have yet to put him where he belongs. And that's under the tombstone of God's grace and mercy. Yet we go digging up graves and we we ask them to just come along with us. We need to move past that church. Listen, Romans 13, 11 to 14 says, and do this. If you remember four weeks ago, we read this very verse when we were talking about waking up. And it says, do this knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of your sleep. Remember, that's the first thing we've got to do. We've got to wake up from our slumber. We've got to wake up from our sleep. We've got to realize what time it is. It goes on and it says, for now, our salvation is nearer than we first believed. I hope you remember that now our salvation is nearer than it was four weeks ago when I first read this sermon. My brother Dennis tapped me on the shoulder and said, right before I came up, he said, tonight Jesus could come. Come back. So preach. Tonight could be the night. It's closer tonight than it was four weeks ago. We have to remember that each and every day. When we wake up, I'm one day closer. I'm one breath closer. I'm one blink closer to the coming of the Lord because he will come in a blink, in the twinkling of an eye. That's how fast he will come. Every time you and I blink our eyes, we're that much closer to the coming of the Lord. Every time you blink, you and I might not make the next blink because that's how quick he could come. And it's exactly why God said, wake up, pray up, clean up, shape up, dress up. Because in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, God is going to come looking for his bride. And we must be ready. We must be clean and purified. And we must be dressed in the character of Christ. These are, again, remember, these are God's words, not my words. Every time I preach, I try to bring you God's words. Amen. The truth is, listen, it goes on and it says, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us take off. Let us cast off the works of darkness or deeds of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Look at the difference. God's always talking in great contrast, darkness and light, day and night. Let us put off the deeds of darkness, the deeds of night, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day. Here's what you and I need to understand. There is a proper way to walk as a Christian and an improper way to walk. I'm not talking about a physical walk even though there is a physical way that you and I should carry ourselves as Christians. There's a physical way that we should dress. There's a physical way we should talk. There's a physical way that we should think. We should be a physical reflection of the kingdom and character of God. But he's saying that we must walk properly. Understand there is a proper way for us to walk as Christians. There's a proper way for us to carry ourselves as Christians as in the day it says let us walk properly as in the day when we're walking out there in the world and we're walking in darkness, we cannot be a reflection of the kingdom of God. The way you and I need to walk out there is as a shining light. The way you and I need to walk out there is as clean, pure vessels that can have an impact on a dark, unclean world. The way we must walk out there is like salt to the saltless, to those that, that have yet to experience the grace of God in their lives. But if we're walking in darkness, meaning darkness is in us, we cannot shine the light of Jesus Christ. There comes a point in every one of our lives, church, where we got to trim the wick of our spirit. You know what I'm talking about. If any of you know how to use lamp candles or those oil lamps, if that wick is dirty, it burns. It doesn't burn bright. It burns smoke. But everyone that's got those they learn they got to trim that wick and they got to keep it pure and they got to keep it clean so it'll shine bright and shine right we got a lot of Christians in the house of God that got to get their wicks trimmed. They need a wick trimming so that they can burn for Jesus Christ. And what I'm saying tonight, God, it's got to start with me. Trim my wick tonight, God. Trim my wick so that I might burn bright for Jesus Christ. That I might be a a bright and shining light for the kingdom of God and those that are lost. But even with my light shining bright... Even with me being washed, there is a garment that I must wear. It doesn't do me. It's not good enough to just clean up. You and I must dress up. There is a spiritual attire that we must wear, and it's what we're going to look at. The truth is, it's time for God's people to walk properly. It's time for God's people to dress up, church, and put on Jesus Christ. It's like I said, it's not enough to just keep putting off. Listen, in my young teenage life, before I really sold out to God, before I had what I call an encounter with God, not just an experience with God, I had an encounter with God week after week after week. My Christianity was nothing more than putting off every single week. I'd put it off this week. I'd I'd come back Sunday, I'd put it off again. I'd come back Wednesday and I'd put it off again. I'd come back Sunday and I'd keep putting off my habits and I'd keep putting off this sin and I'd keep putting it off, but I was never putting on Christ. So I would come week after week, just struggling, putting off this and putting off that and putting off that until finally I had an encounter with God where I was able to put on Jesus Christ and my whole life changed and it'll change with you, 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 you that have gone through that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, listen, I'm telling you, you need to encounter God so that you can put on God. And Stop struggling with just having to put off. Listen, if all we do, it's not enough to just put off the dirty clothes, because even when we put them off, listen to me, we are still naked. If all we do, our entire Christian life is put off, we're still considered naked. Listen, understand, we would still be uncovered, we would still be exposed, we would still be unacceptable to God because no one can stand before the Lord blameless, listen, without wearing the clothes of Jesus Christ. It's the only way you and I can stand blameless before God with great joy. There's no clothes you can make or manufacture according to your own deeds or your own desires that are going to be presentable to God. None whatsoever. I don't care how hard you work for the kingdom of God. I don't care how much sacrifice you make. I don't care how much money you sow into the... I don't care how many late hours you put here and how many late hours you put there and how many ministries you serve in. Listen, there is no good deed that is good enough to, to, to drape you and dress you in that which is acceptable to God. None The only way that we can stand blameless and with great joy before the Lord is when we are dressed up in the clothes of Jesus Christ. When we are dressed up in his righteousness and not our own, because guess what? Our righteousness is like filthy rags, because the Bible says there are none that are righteous. No, not one that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So there's nothing we can do other than put on Jesus Christ. We must put on his word, we must put on his spirit, we must put on his character, we must put on everything about Jesus Christ so that we become a reflection of him. So when I'm talking about dressing up, I'm talking about dressing up in the character of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about wearing the clothes of Jesus Christ, the humility of Jesus Christ, the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, the love and patience of Jesus Christ, the long suffering of Jesus Christ. Talking about all of those things. Those are the things that you and you and I, excuse me, must learn to put on. He's called us to put on clean clothes. Some of you, you know, I've heard. I've heard it called the robes of righteousness. I've heard them called the garments of glory. I've heard them called the garments of godliness. And you know, I'm calling them tonight the clothes of Christ. But it doesn't matter what you call them. The fact is, it's time to dress up in whatever you want to call them. It's time to dress up in the garments of glory. It's time to dress up in the garments of godliness. It's time to dress up in the robes of righteousness that have been made available to you and me. Listen, you and I, all of us, The the proper garments have been made available to us through Jesus Christ, through His sacrifice, through His blood, through His work, from the Father. The proper garments are available to anyone anyone and everyone that receives and believes that they're able to cover them. Look, and this is what we've been called to wear, is to dress up in the clothes of Jesus Christ. In one of His numerous encounters with the Pharisees, in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus spokes, it's one of his parables, and he speaks of a wedding ceremony for the son of a certain king. It was a ceremony in which many of the rich and well-to-dos, many of the hierarchy were invited to come to this banquet, invited to come to this wedding ceremony, but all of them that were originally invited, they refused. All of them had other things to do. All of them had other priorities. All of them had other things that were, seemed to be more important, so they refused or declined the invitation to come to this great banquet. Consequently, because they refused, the king said, look, I'm not gonna let it all go to waste. I want you to, he called all of his servants and he said, I want you to go out into the highways and the byways like we're supposed to go. And he said, I want you to compel them to come in. I want you to invite the down and, the down and lowly, the, 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 the lost and dirty. I want you to invite them to come to this banquet. It's the last kind of invitation that these people ever thought that they would receive. It would be like you going up to Atlanta and finding a guy sleeping in a box under a bridge and inviting him to dine with the President of the United States. Never in in any of his wildest thoughts would he have thought to have been there. But every single down and outer accepted the invitation and they showed up. At this banquet, they showed up at this ceremony. However, listen, somehow an uninvited guest gained entry to the feast and he was recognized immediately as one who should not be present. You read it yourself, you'll find out. Immediately the king recognized one individual in, in the midst of hundreds, maybe thousands. One individual that didn't belong, one individual that shouldn't have been there, one individual that shouldn't be present, one individual, like I said, who who moved the rope that was reserved for the righteous and tried to sit in a seat that was not for him to sit in. Remember, we talked about that. But how was it that the king recognized him among all the other guests? How was it that that that? What was it that caused this man to stand out from all of the others that were at this ceremony? How did the king know that this one man didn't belong? It was simply by what he was wearing. It was simply by what he had on his back. You read it, you'll find out. You see, this is what you need to understand. It was customary in Jesus' times for the guests at high ranking weddings to be issued special wedding garments for them to wear and they were as a, they came as a gift from the Father of the groom. And everyone that came, everyone that was invited received this garment and they had to wear it before they came into the celebration. They had to put on the the proper garment that was provided by the king before they could sit down at that table and taste one bite of food. And the king recognized this person's not wearing the garment that I gave this person's. Not wearing the, the the royal robe that I made available to him. And listen to me. I hope you're getting the parallel that I'm trying to make, church. What you and I have to understand, the interesting aspect of this parable is the fact that the only distinguishing feature between those who were allowed to be there and the one who wasn't allowed to be there was simply the garment that he was wearing. It's the only thing that set him apart from everyone else was the clothes that he had on his back, the attire that he was wearing. Listen, in the same way, we too have been given a special wedding garment by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You and I have received... Received a wedding garment that allows us to sit at this banqueting table, to taste of the Lord and see that He is good, to sup and dine with Him. We have been given a, a special wedding garment that entitles us to come sit in His presence. But far too often we fail to put it on. Far too often we do not wear that very thing which has been made available to us. I don't know why we don't. Maybe it's too difficult. Maybe we don't feel we deserve it. Maybe there's some that, like this one man, just felt like he could cheat his way in. You know, there are processes we have to take before we can receive even the garment. And what God is saying is that there, there are going to be people that are going to try to cheat their way into God's presence. Cheat their way into the kingdom. Shortcut their way to that seat beside the Father. And if, if they try any other route except through the, the blood of Jesus Christ, guess what? They'll be cast out. They will not find a seat. They might think, boy, they got it made. They might think, oh, I'm going to cheat my way into God's glory. But there will come a day... When God looks at them and says, depart from me because I never knew you. You tried to cheat your way into my glory. You tried to cheat your way into my presence. You were never willing to put on that garment that I gave you. And that is the garment of grace provided through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the garment that I'm talking about. It's that garment which has been made available through the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen, we've been given everything we need pertaining to life and righteousness. And all we've got to do is put it on. All we have to do is put it on. And so often we struggle with putting on the very things that God's already made available to us. There is no excuse for us to, 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 to not walk in the light. There's no excuse if we call ourselves a Christian, if we have a relationship with God. There's no excuse for us to not walk in the light, to not walk in the day, to not be a representation, a reflection of the kingdom of God. No excuse. Why? Because I just said... We've been given everything we need to be who God's called us to be. Sons and daughters of the Most High God, salt and light to a lost and dying world, holy and righteous. Everything we need, He's given to us. And all we have to do is put it on. Every day we're to dress up in the clothes of Jesus Christ. Every day we as sons and daughters of the Most High God are to dress up church in the character of Christ. We're to dress up. I'm not going to give you references. You can find them, but we're to dress up. These are just a few of what we're to dress up in according to scripture. We're to dress up in holiness and righteousness. We're to dress up in faith and in love. We're to dress up in the truth. We're to dress up in garments of glory. We're to dress up in the character of Christ and all of these things. And my list could go on and on because like I said last week, the table of the Lord is reserved for the righteous. The table of the Lord church is reserved for those who are wearing the right clothes. And I hope you understand I'm not talking about physical clothes. You know I'm making a spiritual analogy tonight. We have to have on the proper spiritual attire. If we expect to dine with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if we expect to be part of the, the real family of God, now, I, I, I know, and I said it last week, yes, there are times we will come into the presence of God dirty. There's times that we must come into the presence of God unclean in order to find forgiveness. In order to find restoration, in order to find mercy and grace and to have our sins washed away on a daily, regular basis. You can't ask God to forgive your sins one time and think that's going to last your whole life. You can't need to be washed afresh every day. And we've already looked at that. But one of the greatest problems, listen, that's facing the church today is the fact that God's people aren't changing their clothes. They are not dressing up. Week after week, they come for a spiritual bath, like I said. Sunday after Sunday, they come into the house of God, and they ask God to wash them up, church. But they never change their clothes. And they fail to present themselves to God in proper attire, like this like this individual failed to present himself before the king. I'm not going to take a lot of time, but in Ruth chapter 3, there's the story of Ruth. She had lost her husband in, in Moab. And she had returned to the city of the Lord and she was in the process of presenting herself to a rich and wealthy, well-to-do man by the name of Boaz. And Ruth's mother-in-law told her that before you go, Ruth, and lay at his feet, and there's a whole process, you read it, you see the process, study it. She told her, there's three things you've got to do, Ruth. You're gonna go take a bath and purify yourself just like we talked about last week cleaning up you gotta clean up you gotta wash up you gotta purify yourself and once you're clean once all of that dirt and filth is washed away like we talked about last week now it's time to start putting on and I, I, I remember there is a process don't try putting on the clothes don't try putting the clothes of Christ onto the old man they won't fit okay so my point is, she told her, wash up, bathe up, clean up. Then she told her to put on sweet perfume. How many of you know that we are to be a sweet, not just a sweet, sweet sound in God's ears. We are to be a sweet aroma to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, the the the, the groom is looking for a bride that's been washed, a bride that's been purified, a bride that smells sweet, that, that, that smells Like this meeting is important. Like there's something important about what's about to take place. And not only was she supposed to put on perfume. She was then to dress up in the best clothes she had. It's exactly what Naomi told her. Don't go before Boaz. Dirty. Don't go before Boaz with a sour aroma. Don't go before God dressed in, in your cheapest clothes. Go before Boaz with the best clothes that you have. And there's some lessons we can learn. I'm talking spiritually, but listen, there's times we can dress up for God. I'm telling you, we can dress up for God. God deserves our best. I'm not telling everybody you gotta go put on a three-piece suit and go, go, you know, go into debt to, you know, to get some designer closing. But I'm telling you that we should take time to present ourselves properly to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Not roll out of bed one minute before church starts and, and be all disheveled and unprepared to present ourselves to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one we want to marry. The one we want to be married to and come into an intimate relationship. With you see, listen. Ruth had to put on perfume, letting us know that bickering and and backbiting and and gossiping and and all of this naysaying and all of this negativity junk. Listen, it stinks in the nostrils of God. There's no aroma to those things. There's no aroma. There's no sweet. Uh, smell it it becomes a stench and this is a, a biblical lesson that we must learn before we present ourselves to the king to the Boaz our spiritual Boaz that we want to be united with or Jesus who is our groom and I hope we can learn from that lesson church I'm wondering where is the putting off and where is the putting on I'm wondering where is the dressing up in a proper attire in today's church anymore? Where is the putting on the newness of life? How can you put on? Listen to me, and I hope you're understanding this. There is a doctrine out in that world that excludes the need for repentance. There is a doctrine being preached from major churches out there that overlooks the cross of Christ. that overlooks repentance and the need for a savior. I hope that you understand What I'm trying to tell you, church, listen, we've got to realize that that there will be no newness of life unless there's a passing away of an old life. There is no walking in newness of life without, like I said at the beginning of this service, crucifying the old life. But if nobody ever hears about the old life, if nobody ever hears about sin, if nobody ever hears about those things, how are they ever going to walk in newness of life? It's why there's no difference anymore between the house of God and the world. It's why the world looks the same as the church and the church looks the same as the world. Because there is no newness of life. Because there's no passing away of the old and the rising up of the new. This is what we need to understand. One of the saddest realities concerning the church is that in its morality, in its ethics, in its standards, in the standards by which it lives, the church... ...has become just like the world. The church has become just like the world. The, a lot of times the way it dresses, a lot of times the way it talks... It's become just like the world in, in, in its ethics and in its uh, tolerances. Instead of standing on, the, on, on what thus saith the Lord... ...we have polluted and diluted the word of God. And we've, we've allowed ourselves to become conformed to the world... Instead of conforming ourselves to the character of Jesus Christ so that there can be a difference in our attire. So that there can be a difference between you and this world, church. We've learned to put on a good show from time to time. I'm not saying any of you. But all of us at some point in time in our Christian walk have learned to put on a good show. We've learned to put on, I'm telling you, we've learned to put on our Sunday best We've learned to come in with a big smile on our face. We've learned to cover up all of those rotten things that are going on in our life. Well, bless you, brother. (laughs) You know, we've learned to cover it all up. We've learned to put on our Sunday's best. But have, have we learned to put on Jesus Christ? Have we learned to put on humility? Have we learned to put on the character and the clothes of Jesus Christ? These are the things we must learn to put on. Because our faith is more than on a Sunday morning, one hour out of the week. Our faith is Sunday to Sunday. It's 24-7, seven days out of the week. We are to look like Jesus Christ. We are to talk like Jesus Christ and walk like Jesus Christ and think like Jesus Christ and do business like Jesus Christ and treat our wives like Jesus Christ and our husbands like Jesus Christ and our children like Jesus Christ. We're to love the Father above everything else like Jesus Christ loved the Father. We must put on Jesus Christ. We must dress up in the garments of glory. This is what we are being called to do, church, because it is, listen, it is the only thing that sets us apart. The only thing. The money in your bank has nothing to do with your effectiveness in the kingdom, or how little money you have in the bank. Has nothing to do with your effectiveness in the kingdom. Whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're a male or a female, has nothing to do with your effectiveness in the kingdom of God. It has everything to do with what we wear. Amen. And we are to wear Jesus Christ. And if we're not, if we're not, God, dress me up. God, forgive me. God, take away this old man. God, crucify my flesh so that I can rise up in newness of life. It's time for us to dress up. It's time for us to put on the proper attire, church. Ephesians 4, 22 and 24. I know I'm not going to finish, but I'll touch what I can. I know I've got a few more minutes, but it says Jesus is talking to the Ephesian church about living as children of light in a world filled with darkness. And he says, you were taught. In other words, he was speaking to the people and says, you have been taught. You have been instructed. You have been disciplined with regard to your former life to put off your old self. Your old self, which is being corrupted on a day to day basis by its deceitful lusts. He goes on and says, You were taught, you were instructed, you were discipled, that you are to be made, that you are to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Listen, we gotta dress up our minds, church. We gotta dress up our minds in the likeness of God, too. We gotta dress up our minds in the Word, and it says, And to put on the new self, which was created in the likeness of God. It it cannot be more clear what we are to take off and what we are to put on. And if, if what you and I put on does not look like Christ, we got on the wrong clothes. It's that simple. Paul was saying you must put on the new man which is in the likeness of God which is in the image of the father which is in the image of the one that created us and if we're wearing anything that does not reflect heaven we got to take it off if we're if we're wearing anything that does not recognize us uh, as a lover of god we need to take it off we need to remove it church and we need to put on the things that god has called us to put on Instead of taking off the old man, instead of taking off the old nature, instead of putting off the old way of living, we so often simply try to cover him up. We so often simply try to put clean clothes on the old man, and there's no difference between putting clean clothes on a dirty man or putting dirty clothes on a clean man. It doesn't work. My friend put dirty clothes on a clean man, but so often we do the exact opposite. We try to put clean clothes on the old man. No clothes of Jesus, listen, the clothes of Jesus Christ will not fit the old man. They won't fit. You'll never get them on. They will not fit. God will not allow the garment of grace to be wrapped around the old man. His blood will. But as holy righteous garments, they won't fit. They were not made for the old man. They were made for the new man. They were made for the man that rises up in newness of life. And so often we try putting the new man, or the new clothes on the old man. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. We've got to go to the grave. Like I said, go to the cross, go to the grave. Let the old man die when the new man rises up. Listen to me. God has a new garment to put on us. It is a a robe of righteousness. It is the garments of glory that have been made available for the new creation that God has made out of us. If you want to wear the clothes, and so often, listen, so often we feel uncomfortable in those clothes because there's a part of the old man still in there. Listen, when the old man's gone, boy, I'm telling you, it fits just fine. The character of Christ fits just fine. Listen, when the old man has passed away, the new man knows how to wear praise. He don't have a problem lifting a hand or dancing or moving around because the new man was made to worship and the new man was made to praise. And listen to me, when the old man passes away, you got no problem getting down on a knee and calling out to God because the new man was created to pray and to call out to God. The new man comes to prayer meetings. The old man stays home. The, the, the new man. You understand what I'm saying? The old man is uncomfortable with the, the garments of God. But the new man wears them proudly, wears them rightly, wears them justly and deservedly. And when you got those robes on, there's no seat in God's kingdom you can't sit at. There's none. You'll have the key to every single room to his kingdom. And you can sit at whatever table you choose to sit at. As long as you are wearing the right attire. Right attire. It's the only way that we're going to experience what God has for us, church. Go ahead and put on the music because I'm going to try to find a close here. Colossians three ten says, "But now, as God's children, and He is making it very clear to the listener that He is speaking to a new creation. Now, as God's children, He's speaking to you tonight, and He's speaking to me tonight as a new creation." He's speaking to us as children of the Most High God. Listen, we're children because we've been born again. Unless you've been born again, understand, there is no new man in you. It's the old man. The new man has to at some point be born again. You understand what I'm saying? The old man is the one that used to be. The new man is the one that has come out of of our salvation has come out of the grace of God. And so what you and I need to understand is he's speaking to us as God's children, as the new man. And he says, you are to put off all of these things. And he lists anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth and the like. And he says, these things aren't to be any part of your life. Every time they try to raise up, put them off. So that you can walk in newness of life. Every time these things come and try to drape themselves around you. Remember that you are a new creation. What was it that Paul said? He said. If any man be in Christ. He is a new creation. He says. Old things have passed away. Behold. And notice notice how he says behold. Behold means look. It means look. It means look. There's a difference. Behold, all things are new. And I'm wondering tonight, church, where's the new man at South Metro Ministries? I wonder where's the new man in this section, in this section, in this section, in this section. I'd ask myself in there, God, revive the new man. When I was in there praying, God, revive the new man. Strip away. take, Take away the old man. Take away the old nature. Take away the old thoughts. Take away the old words. Take away the old thinking. Take away the old reasoning. Take away the old man. God, crucify him tonight so I can rise up and preach in newness of life. So that I can be a vessel of honor. So that I can be profitable to the master. Fit and ready for every good work. I preach that every time that I get up here. That's my goal. And I know it's your goal as well. And the only way that will be accomplished, church, is if we are willing to stand before God and take off the old man and dress up in the new. Amen. Here's what I want to say before I pray. What we have to learn is to put off the former master of the house. What we have to learn to do is to put off the one who once sat in the seat of authority. We need to learn to put off the one that ruled our life prior to the new birth, church, and give rule to the new man. That's where the battle is. It it, it is between the old man and the new man. But remember, God's given us everything we need. And what we need to do each and every day is let that new man rise up and take rightful authority in our life. It's It's like in the old westerns when there was a crooked old sheriff... That ran the town. Whenever you saw him in these movies, I may mean, not like westerns, you could always tell the crooked old sheriff. He had a beat up old hat. He had a missing spur. His shoes were all crunched up. His clothes were dirty. Looked like he hadn't shaved in two weeks. His badge was either broken or dirty. But somewhere in the story, in comes riding the new sheriff. He comes in on a horse that's whiter than the other guys. He comes in with a brand new hat. He comes in with silvery spurs. He comes in with brand new shoes. He comes in with a white shirt. And he comes riding into town with a brand new badge. There's a new sheriff in town is what you always heard and what you need to tell the devil every single day is there's a new sheriff in town and his name is Jesus Christ. His name is the new man. His name is the King of glory, the Lord, strong and mighty. And if you're ready to wear that new man, I want you to rise up to your feet and say, God, you're in charge. Amen? We need to dress up. If that's your prayer, you pray it. And you let the devil know there's a new sheriff in town. Father God, I thank you for your word this evening. I thank you, Father God, for the power of your word. I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the truth and the revelation that you have sown forth from the heavens this evening. And God, I know that we battle not against flesh and blood. I know that there's a spiritual battle going on right now in the hearts and the minds and the lives of your people. I know the devil wants to snatch away the word. I know the devil wants us to walk out here the same way we came in. He wants us to walk out in the old nature. But I'm praying this evening, God, that the work of your Holy Spirit, that the power of your Holy Spirit would transform our lives. God, that you would clean us up and that you would dress us up in the clothes of Jesus Christ. God, that you would dress us with a right mind. That you would dress our mouths with words of grace. God, that you would dress our eyes with the glory and the righteousness of God so that they would not Look upon unclean things. I pray, God, that you address us in the full armor of God so that when the devil comes against us, we can win the battle. I pray, God, that You would just wash us afresh and anew. Tonight, Father God, we crucify the old man. Tonight, we crucify the flesh. Tonight, Father God, we take that old nature and we nail him on the cross and we tell the devil that there is a new ruler in town and that is the Holy Spirit and the Lord God Almighty. I thank you that you've given us everything we need pertaining to life and righteousness. God, that when we walk out this place, we can walk out new. We can walk out clean. We can walk out righteous. We can walk out godly and holy and just as if we never sinned. If there's anyone here tonight, God, that doesn't know You, if there's anyone that doesn't have a right relationship with You, if they've never been washed, O oh God, in the blood of the Lamb, I pray that they would take these moments to allow Your grace to dress them. I pray that they would allow, Father God, words of repentance to come forth from their lips so that the mercy of God could rescue them from their sin. I pray, God, that You would just help us to be draped In light. So Father God, we can answer the high call of Jesus upon our lives. Help us to be a reflection of the kingdom. Help us to not be conformed to this world or like it in any way. But let us be transformed, O God, by the renewing of our mind and by the changing of our garments. That we can be at South Metro Ministries, everything that you have called us to be. In Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight for His Word, for His power. Amen. Amen. I just want to encourage you to walk out in a new set of clothes tonight. Amen. And be a reflection of the Lord. God bless you.